I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a weekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if this podcast is helpful to you, come join us at the Digital Commerce Alliance. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org. This week, Dan is talking with Ahmed Siddiqui from Branch, and we'll be learning more about transforming employee and contractor payments. Before we get to that interview, we'll dig into five of the big stories in digital commerce from the last week. The U.S. Senate passes a bill barring federal employees from TikTok. Retail and manufacturing numbers are down. Mall owners are taking lessons from Amazon. Airlines gear up for busy holiday season. Gas prices continue to head downward. Checkout.com is devalued. All that's ahead, and of course, the main event. Transforming employee and contractor payments with Ahmed Siddiqui from Branch. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by Vantage Score. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use Vantage Score to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. November retail sales fell 0.6% from October, the biggest decline this year. Spending on holiday purchases, home projects, cars, and furniture slowed. Pullback was felt online and in department stores, despite Black Friday and Cyber Monday promotions. Manufacturing output also dropped 0.6% from the prior month, reflecting sales declines of consumer goods and business equipment. In related news, the Wall Street Journal reports the Fed lifted its benchmark interest rate 0.5 percentage points to a 15-year high. The labor market remains tight despite high-profile mass layoffs. Is there a silver lining here? Yes. Consumers are spending more on restaurant meals, a sign of pent-up demand to get out and about. As reported by the Financial Times last week, international payment platform Checkout.com announced it has reduced its internal valuation from $40 billion last calculated in January to $11 billion as of December. The firm cut 5% of its staff in September. Tech valuations across the globe have fallen amid declining e-commerce sales. Klarna, Adyen, Stripe, as well as crypto exchanges have been challenged in the last year, a recent Financial Times article reports. Mall owners in Canada have created online shopping platforms that combine the digital shopping experience with the physical one. They're doing what it takes to entice consumers to spend at the stores under their roof, according to Canada's Financial Post. Shoppers search products online across all the mall's retail tenants. They add goods from different stores to a single virtual basket and pay for them through a single checkout on the shopping center website. Curbside and in-mall pickup is available. The goal? To boost mall store sales and provide convenience to customers. The hope? That those consumers will use time-saved shopping to eat at mall restaurants and otherwise take advantage of everything the shopping center has to offer. Airlines are anticipating the busiest business travel period since the pandemic began. 
more people are expected to take to the skies during Christmas and New Year's holidays. United Airlines forecasts 8.3 million passengers during the approximately two-week period, almost 2 million more than last year. January 2nd is expected to be the busiest day. Airlines for America, the trade association that represents most large U.S. carriers, reports their members are adding an average of 4,600 employees each month. As of December 19th, the average price for a gallon of unleaded gasoline in the USA was $3.09, down 60 cents from one month ago and almost $2 cheaper than its peak of about $5 earlier in the year. A gallon of gas in Canada is now about $5.20 U.S. In Canadian terms, gas hit its peak this June at about $2.10 per liter and is now down to about $1.37 per liter on average. Lower gas prices are good news after consumers paid higher prices for almost everything in 2022. Some analysts expect per-gallon gas prices to fall below $3 by year's end. A recent measure approved unanimously by the U.S. Senate would bar employees using government-issued devices from using the TikTok app on those devices. To take effect, the bill will also need to pass the House and be signed into law by President Biden. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. The legislator's concern is that the video-sharing app's data capture capabilities, combined with Chinese laws requiring companies to share data on request with the government, is likely to put sensitive data at risk. TikTok is one of several Chinese tech companies believed to be a threat to U.S. security. Additional legislative action is likely. Today on the show, Dan is having a conversation with Ahmed Siddiqui from Branch about transforming employee and contractor payments. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us on Commerce Code. And uh, where are you joining us from today? Awesome to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. I am calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Great. Well, look, you know, you know, I, I have had a chance to chat in the past and I find what your company Branch does really interesting, but I want you to explain it in your words to our listeners. And so just tell us a little bit about what Branch basically does. Branch is essentially a workforce payments platform. And what does that mean? Essentially, what we want to do is we want to help working Americans get ahead financially. For the longest time, we have stopped paying for pizza and cash, you know, so Historically, if you ordered a pizza from Domino's Pizza and got it delivered, when the delivery guy comes, you'd just pay them in, in cash and then say, here's your tip. But now everybody is buying pizzas with credit cards. So there's really not very much cash in the cash register. So when this driver comes at the end of the night and tallies up with the uh, back office to get their tip, what they're finding is that there's actually no cash in the till to cash them out for their tip. And so they're being told, oh, you know, you will get your tip as part of your paycheck, which will be either on the 15th or the 30th. And so what we do is that we accelerate that by essentially paying them instantly for their tips on a branch wallet and card that they can use immediately. So that's kind of, you know, use case number one, but then you expand that out to, you know, the 1099 contractor workspace and you've got Uber drivers. And so when an Uber driver finishes a ride, they get paid instantly after every ride or after every delivery onto their branch account. So essentially, like we're helping these workers get ahead financially by getting them their money really fast. 
I think of this as being maybe a classic kind of disruptive technology in the sense that you know, payroll processing historically, right? The big ADP and those kinds of guys. That was really, so I think they thought of the customer as the company, right? They thought of the customer as General Electric or IBM or whoever, right, that they were running this for. But, you know, you're really talking about it in terms of the person who benefits the most, the, you know, the Pizza Hut driver or whatever. But I have to believe, though, that your interface with the customer is very much with Domino's Pizza or whoever in order to make that happen, right? Like, that's got to be who you're selling to. Is that true? That's that's absolutely right. So when we think about our go-to-market, we don't sell directly to workers. Like, for example, if you were to download the branch app from the App Store, you won't be able to really get anywhere because unless your employer or you know the gig platform that you're working with is working with us. So we have designed everything in the eyes of the end user, which is the working American. However, where we go to sell is actually to the employer because the employers have come to realize that cash flow is a real problem for their employees or for their contract workers. And if they can help resolve that, they can retain them longer. And obviously, it's hard to retain people these days. And if you can pay them out really fast and get rid of all of their cash flow issues, especially around the holidays right now, where you know we have to buy presents and cash is tight anyways, you know, getting them paid instantly actually is a huge benefit to that employer or to that gig platform. As a fan of capitalism, because I think it helps everybody, or at least it's the least bad way of helping everybody that we've encountered. I love, I guess, what you're doing in the sense that I think the value proposition to employers has their kind of, or assumes that their heart is in the right place, because what you're saying is, hey, this is going to be convenient for you, I assume. This is going to be relatively easy for you to do. But mainly, it's going to be better for your contractors or your employees. It's the benefit um, flows mostly to them. And it's not going to cost you much. And I assume that you're able to pitch it on that. It's going to be convenient. It's going to be easy to do, not just for your, you know, your employees and your, your contractors, but also for you internally. And because you've got the problem of the cash register and all this kind of stuff that you're able to, you guys are able to solve for them. So I, I assume that they're getting some things again, like if you imagine the, you know, I'm the Domino's folks, I'm getting something from branch that I just can't get any other way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So again, to the employee or to the contract workers, we can bank them in 60 seconds or less. So we made that process super duper fast and smooth and easy. They're all, you know, on mobile devices. For the employer, or for the gig platform, we made it really easy for them to integrate in with us. Some actually have very complex, you know, integrations where they're using our API to post money and to interact with the system. And there's others, especially if you look at various like food franchises that don't really have a ton of technical sophistication. They basically send us the data in whatever format they have. It might be a a spreadsheet, or it might be a report that's generated from their systems or whatever. And they can basically send that to us at whatever cadence they want, and we'll pay out their workers. And so again, if you're, you're integrated at the API level, you can basically do what Uber does, where you can pay them out after every ride or after every delivery. Or, you know, I mean, if you don't have that, you could still pay out people on a daily basis. It's just data. I'm sure that you're, I mean, from your perspective, or if I'm in your shoes, I'm certainly very interested in things like Domino's and, and Uber and everything. But to go down to the other level of complexity completely, the simplest example, I decide I'm going to throw in the towel on the complicated life of whatever it is that I do. I'm going to open Dan's Pizza on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. 
and I want to have like the least complicated possible way of doing things right. So I've got contractors that are uh, maybe delivering the stuff, and then I've got a handful of employees that are that are making the stuff. And imagine that I'm just a fool when it comes to technology. Is there a way that I could use Branch that's pretty straightforward, or do you need a sort of a certain scale? No, I mean it's pretty easy. There's a web-based interface, and it's pretty self-service. And so if you're just getting going, we can get you set up in less than a day. So what's the hard thing? You know, every business has got something below the surface that's maybe not obvious from the outside. What's the hard thing about what you're doing at Branch? So, you you know, the thing you kind of spend your time spinning in your spare time trying to figure out. I think the hardest thing really actually goes back to these large organizations that have these legacy payroll systems, as you had mentioned earlier. And the problem that we run into a lot is that these payroll systems are built from the time of the punch card. All of payroll systems today are actually built around that concept where there's something physical that you have to punch in and punch out of, and it needs to be tabulated and it needs to be calculated by a person. And obviously that can't be done on a daily basis or on a per transaction basis. So they created this weird cycle of, you know, getting paid, you know, on the 15th and the 30th, because it requires a payroll person to do this work. Now, if we were to get to a world where, you know, everybody just gets paid every day or they get paid per unit of work, you can't use the existing payroll systems. It needs to be really like rethought so that the data is being sent in real time. Now, companies such as Uber, who actually never really got a payroll system, they ended up building their own systems where they know exactly per ride, like how much to pay out per driver. They take out all the fees and everything. And the data is clean, but you don't have that with, you know, businesses that have been around for a long time that are reliant on these like old payroll systems. What's the effect on timing of money? I mean, this is maybe a hard thing because I, I don't see how it doesn't run contrary to some interests, but you know, the biggest, most powerful companies in the world, everyone knows that one of the games that they play from a treasury and finance perspective is to collect the money as fast as they can on the one end and then delay the payment of money to other people as much as they can on the other. And so is the effect of this to pull forward by a few days when people get paid, when you scale it up to the level of, you know, a Domino's pizza or whatever, it's a non-trivial amount of money that people in treasury care about. So does it in effect end up accelerating the, the flow of that money? Yeah, it does. It does. And so there's there's a few different options here. If your treasury department or your finance department is dependent on that float for other things, then what branch can actually do is we can provide what's called earned wage access. And what that does is that a portion of their earned wages, we can actually front and that actually the money is actually coming from branch. It's not coming from the employer. But again, the employee is not able to get their full amount. They'll, you know, the max that we'll able to do is like 50, 50% roughly. And the reason why we do that is because we don't know how much their taxes are and their withholdings, et cetera. But that's how we have kind of come around to that objection where there are people in the finance team that are like, I need that for cash flow for running the business. And I get that. But also at the same time, if it's an hourly employee and they've worked it, that money is technically theirs. And the question is that, all right, well, you, you're essentially taking advantage of your workers' money. And so, sure, I mean, if the employee has no choice but to wait until the 15th or the 30th, that's what they have to do. But if you are smart, you're going to want to look for opportunities where you can get paid faster. Because again, cash flow is a real problem. And you know, it's an amazing retention tool for the employer. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, right now, especially when the market, the labor market is the way that it is, what employers lose on retention or lack of retention of, of staff and contractors is enormous compared to whatever the float is on a few days, of, you know, even for large companies. So last question on this one, and I'll let you go, which is, what's the dream? I mean, we've talked about what you've done, what you're doing. I'd love to get, you know, five years from now, you guys are at the office, you know, annual New Year's party or whatever, and you're looking back on the amazing success you've had. What does that look like at Branch? Like I said, I don't think the mission changes, right? We're just obsessed with helping working Americans get ahead financially. And really what we have to think about is what is the future of work and how are people wanting to get paid going forward? Are we also shifting to a world where we don't actually go into work, where we're just working from home, we're doing knowledge work, and maybe we're producing YouTube videos or we're, you know, we're a social media influencer on TikTok. And those things can actually get measured very accurately down to the second. And could we actually get them paid for the work that they do immediately? That's the real question. And we think that that's actually where things are going now. And, you know, people want to be having flexible schedules. There are you know, different types of jobs being created and how do you facilitate, you know, getting these people paid? Because ultimately that's why most people work is they need money for something. And how can we get that to them fast? I love it. It's such a clear mission. This has been a super fun conversation, Ahmed, and thank you so much for taking the time. I will flag for uh, listeners that Ahmed has written a book called The Anatomy of the Swipe. We're going to have him back on in a few weeks to just talk about that because it's distinct. It's very much related, but it's distinct from this conversation. And I think it absolutely deserves an unpacking on Commerce Code. And uh, if you want to do your pre-reading for that episode, you can go online or wherever and get your copy of The Anatomy of the Swipe. So Ahmed, thanks a bunch. And we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Well, I want to close out this episode of Commerce Code with a topic that I think you'll find a little bit of a surprise, but just some brief reflections on a session we ran last week called Cannabis in Commerce, Navigating Opportunities and Risks. We had three experts just talking about the kinds of things that we think companies are going to need to think about as the trade in cannabis becomes so big that more and more companies will find themselves touching it or being involved in it in some way. Steve Levine is a partner at Hush Blackwell. Uh, he's a lawyer who spends most of his time, I think at this point, working on cannabis-related issues. Ken Condren, chief operating officer from a company called All Leaves that makes distinctive, sort of tailored ERP software for the cannabis industry. And then finally, Eric Meth is a chief revenue officer at a company called Surfside. Just a few words briefly about what I learned from that conversation. Because Cannabis is recreationally legal in 21 states, and I think medical cannabis is, is legal in different forms in, in a larger group than that. It's increasingly common, the legitimate market, well, there's a footnote on that word legitimate, but the, the market for cannabis, I think, is $28 billion now. For a parallel, it's about the size of the global market for whiskey, right? So it's, it's big. It's not, it's not beer. Beer is sort of like $750 billion, so if you want to scale it at that level. But it's big and it is growing fast. More and more companies will be involved. And even if they are not, they don't think they're involved, they're increasingly going to be involved. They make software, let's say. They do payments. They do the stuff that all of our companies do. So a couple of examples of what I learned. One, many mortgages have a provision that say that you have to be in compliance with law. And if not, it's possible for the bank to foreclose. Well, if you are 
wittingly or maybe even unwittingly involved in the cannabis business, although it may be legal in the state that you are in, cannabis is classified as a Schedule One drug at the federal level in the United States, right alongside heroin. And so it's that weird, mind-bending legal reality that causes these kinds of things. So on the mortgage side, you could have a bank just come and say, look, you're not in compliance with law. We're taking the property. Another example is that cannabis-related expenses that are normal business expenses in any other context often are not deductible on federal taxes, even, again, if you're in a state where it's legal as a medical product or as a recreational product. Again, if you think about this, it makes some kind of sense, as crazy as the result is. And so there are lawyers who spend their careers helping people on the tax side with this kind of stuff. For reasons that, again, the more you think about it, you kind of realize are sensible, tailored ERP software of the kind that All Leaves makes, makes total sense because there are regulatory needs and requirements relating to cannabis that no other industry has. Similarly, on the marketing, personalized marketing, loyalty, advertising front, a lot of minds to tiptoe through in that minefield. And so Surfside, one of the companies that was present in the webinar as well, making completely tailored stuff for the cannabis market. We had the session because I think most companies aren't really fully digesting the fact that this is coming and that they can't really avoid it. In other words, you can say, hey, we're not going to get involved in that market and that's fine. But you need to be more intentional about it going forward as the market you know, doubles and triples and quadruples over time and becomes very mainstream. It may be quite difficult to stay out of the market. And if the federal state law situation in the United States doesn't change, the complexities are going to stay the way that they are and, and maybe get worse. So we had this as a session. If you're of an interest, just drop me a line. We can get you uh, hooked up to be able to, to listen in on a recording. Otherwise, DCA members have access to everything that we do in the Best Practices Center. And so I'd encourage you to log in and you can listen to the webinar yourself if you weren't able to join us last Monday. We've got another one coming up in January on January 10th on buying and selling tech companies from the buyer's point of view. David Crystal's the founder and CEO of Agio will be appearing there alongside Justin Koffenberg, who's the managing director at Rally Ventures, both of them, a lot of experience in building tech companies, buying and selling tech companies. Look forward to a great conversation then. Until then, I wish you happy holidays and a wonderful start to 2023. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practice sharing. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week.